0: Did did you feel some joy this morning church? He's a good God, isn't he? Let's pray and thank him. What an awesome Savior he is. I mean, for sure, Jesus, we should feel this way every moment or every day because it's in you that we live and move and have our very being. But It's just something about this time of year where we're just flooded with reminders. What a great Savior. What a wonderful gift. So much love you've thrown at us and on us. We just can't say thank you enough. Thank you for the joy to the world through Jesus Christ. We come to lift him up so he can draw men unto him. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Okay, so do you know what the first Adam said to his wife the day before Christmas? She said, he said, it's Christmas Eve. (laughs) Okay, look, it's not Christmas Eve, but it's close. And I say this every year, and I mean it every year, I love this time of year. I can't get enough, you can start Christmas in July as far as I'm concerned, but especially this time of year, it's Christmas everywhere, you look. I mean, there's Christmas lights, there's Christmas candy, there's Christmas music, there's Christmas cookies. Praise God, I love Christmas cookies. Christmas cards, Christmas parties. I mean, all kinds of things going on. We just love Christmas. But I, I got a question for you this morning. The story of Christmas that we tell every year, especially to our kids at church, is that all real? Or do you think we've embellished it a little bit over the years? Because I'm telling you look at that story, man. It's a big story. And it's full of supernatural, faith-demanding events. I mean, you've got angels appearing out of nowhere. You've got a virgin giving birth to a baby. Oh, by the way, it just happens to be God in the flesh. You've got the special star shining right over the place. I mean, this looks like a miracle to me, doesn't it, you? Let me ask you another question this morning. What do you say if somebody throws a, a goose at you? You say, duck. <laughs> what do you say if somebody throws a duck at a duck? You say, duck, duck. What do you say if somebody throws a duck at our president? You say, Donald, duck. (laughs) Okay, one more. What do you say when somebody throws a goose at a duck? You say, duck, duck, goose. You can thank Melvin William for those. I mean, he said, thank you very much. That's where those came from. See, brother, that's what happens. But we say this over and over again, too. If it looks like a duck, and it sounds like a duck, and it walks like a duck, you know what? It's probably a duck. And this Christmas story, man, I'll tell you, it looks like a miracle, it walks like a miracle, it sounds like a miracle, and I just want to assure you all this morning, it is. It all happened. It's recorded in history. It's amazing. It's also one of those times where you and I as people are forced to make huge decisions, life-changing decisions. Tell you what, we'll get back to that. This is our Christmas Story Sermon Sunday. The kids told it last week in an amazing way, a lot better than I can do, and I mean that. In the 31 and a half years I've been here, I've never seen anything as good as it was last week with the kids. They just did so well. But this morning, it's our turn, so we're going to tell the Christmas story straight out of the Word of God, and we're going to concentrate on one word that will make Christmas the best Christmas ever, this one-word world. And it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what your emotional state of being is. This one word from the Christmas story can change everything in your life for the better. Can you guess what word it is? Well, that's close. (laughs) It's the same one, okay? Let me just tell you what words I'm thinking of. This is the word that launched the love at Christmas. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. That whosoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So it is Jesus. It's love. It's amazing. Are you kidding me? Have you thought about that lately? He gave his one and only son to die for you and I sin. He he knows what we did last night. He knows what we were thinking about probably already this morning. He knows what you said, what you're probably going to do before this week's out. And he still sent his one and only son to die on a cross for our sins. This is amazing stuff. That's point number one: God gave. Here's the deal. This is why this is such a, a big deal, and this is what made the first Christmas such a big deal to God is what God got to do the first Christmas. God gave. That's what he loves to do. God gave. Giving is what love does. Giving is how love expresses itself. Giving is at the heart of love, and so it's at the heart of God because that's God's essence, is love. And so God got to give at Christmas. I mean, when you got up this morning, you opened up the newspaper, or you pulled out your cell phone, probably more likely, you looked at it, and what did the date say? December 22nd, 2019. Now, we don't think about that very often, but what's that 2019 mean? Was well, it's 2019 years. From what? From the birth of Jesus. And I'm telling you, you can't look at a calendar. You can't look at your phone. You, you can't look at any date. You can't look at anything right now during this time of year without being reminded of Jesus Christ. I was watching the Los Angeles Lakers play basketball last week. Question, where in the world did we get the name Los Angeles? City of Angels. The messengers that came and sang Joy to the World we talked about two or three weeks ago. I watched the 49ers play football a couple weeks. They're having a pretty good year, by the way. Question, where would we get the city, uh, San Francisco? From St. Francis, a fully devoted follower of Jesus. I mean, you can't look anywhere. I, I married a couple last year in West Lafayette, Indiana. They're going to live up there. Question, where would we get the name West Lafayette? Nobody knows. I prayed and asked Jesus. He doesn't even know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) The fact is, we look at a map, or we read the name of a city these days, 2,000 years later on the other side of the planet, and you can't help but be reminded of this Christmas gift, this miracle of Jesus. You know, uh, something else, every year during the month of December, Time Magazine picks their man or woman of the year, and it's always somebody they've decided that has… impacted or touched more people than anybody else in the previous year and every year people make their own nominations and they have their own guesses and then when it's announced everybody argues about it well 19 years ago time magazine recognized the person of the century think how tough that would be they picked one person from the 20th century and named them person of the year anybody remember who that was turn to the person next to you And and take a guess who the person of the century was in the 20th century. Go ahead. Anybody get it? It was Elvis Presley. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't Elvis Presley. It was Albert Einstein. But you see what I'm talking about? How tough that would be to figure that out? I mean, here's the thing. It's kind of hard to pick a man or a woman of the year. It'd be really tough to pick a man or a woman of the century. Can you imagine how hard it would be to pick one person who's impacted more people than anybody else in the entire history of the planet? It turns out that one's the easy one. The one person who's touched every continent, every culture, every tribe, every language, and that would be one name, Jesus, our gift. Born 20 centuries ago to a couple with no money in a no-name village in an obscure part of the the world. Just a few hundred people ever met him. Just a few thousand people ever heard him preach. Never traveled outside his region. Never wrote a book. He inspired a few, but he never wrote one. Never led an army never governed a nation, didn't even have a home. And get this, he was so insignificant to the Roman government that they didn't even record his execution. And yet here we are 2,000 years later, and the name of Jesus Christ has inspired the founding of more universities, the creation of more hospitals, the launching of more charities, the expression of more art, the writing of more books than any name in history. Ever. Ever. The name of Jesus has inspired more people to give more money and more possessions and more sacrifice, even of their lives, to his kingdom than any name ever. And and the cross, the symbol of his execution, is known all through the world. It's the most recognized symbol on the planet. The church he started, oh my goodness, is not only just remembered and studied, but it continues. And it's growing in continents, some of them faster than it ever has before. Who would have believed, I mean seriously, 2,000 years ago if you'd have told those people in Bethlehem, that little baby born in that barn right now, will 2,000 years from now cause people to get together and praise his name and sing glory to him? Who would have believed that? Who would have believed if you'd have told them 2,000 years from now that little baby born there in the barn, uh, just on the anniversary of his birth, will cause traffic jams in London, England, and Seoul, South Korea, and New York City, and Bloomington, Indiana? Who would have believed that? And yet, if you draw, if you into the mall lately, guys are crazy. But the obvious question is, why do we keep coming back to this? Why is this? Why is Christmas so awesome every year? What is it about this Jesus of ours that captivates the attention of everybody? Well, it's obvious something going way past human, something supernatural. It turns out it's pretty simple. Staggering though, the Bible makes it clear that every one of us were born, we're born broken, and we all know that. We're born with this hole, this longing in our heart. And God promised one day I'll fix that. One day I'll fill that. One day I'll redeem that. And he did it through his son with this gift 2,000 years ago. You fix anything. We all have a longing for peace. Wouldn't you like to just have some peace? Are we going to find peace on the planet? (laughs) Are you going to find peace in the economy? You're kidding me, right? Do we find peace in our politics? What a joke. Did you see the approval rating for our Congress last week? This is a sad time for our government. We're a laughingstock. And we keep hoping for some party, some leader, some system to come along and save us. And yet, we just think about it, 2,000 years ago, way over there in the little town of Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all the earth were met in him that night. And if you want peace, Jesus said, I'll give you peace. I give you peace that passes worldly understanding. Can guilty people find forgiveness? I mean, do you even need forgiveness? Have you sinned this year? Maybe we ought to have a mass confession. We haven't done that in a long time. It feels good to confess at church anyway. I'd like you to raise your hand if you sinned one time last year. If you lied once, men, did you have one lust thought? Women, gossip? Get them up if you raise your hand. I raise your hand if you didn't sin, but you're pretty sure the person you're sitting next to did. Well, look around this room, man. You guys are a nasty group of people. You know what I'm talking about? My question is, can guilty, broken, messed up, sinful people like you and I find forgiveness and grace? And the answer is yes. Yes, through Jesus Christ, who came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sin. It's amazing. God gave. Can discouraged and depressed people find any hope? I'm talking about rock-solid, immovable hope. Man, we need that today. I got a real good friend that lost his job this year, a good job, and he wonders if he'll get another good job at his age. I've got a, a, a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, who just went through a gut-wrenching divorce. And I know of several couples that are fighting that right now. You know what I mean? I got a young friend that just told me he's been diagnosed with cancer. And I know a family right here in Ellisville who just a weekend before last lost their 20-year-old daughter. I'm telling you, the fact is everybody in this room, if you haven't asked this question already, we'll be, answering it, we'll be asking it someday. That one person or that one thing in your life that you've got your hope wrapped up in, when it falls apart and you'll ask, is there any place else I can go for hope? And the answer is yes. Yes, there's hope through Jesus Christ. In an empty tomb where the stone got rolled away and all the despair and sadness of our earth met the king of heaven and God gave. That's point number one. Point number two very interesting about jesus his presence always brings a decision if you notice you talk about jesus or christmas it's never just abstract conversation you start talking about this kind of stuff there's never just it's not just about conversing there's always an end to it and the end is always yes or no there's a decision to be made it's been that way from the very beginning uh god came to mary and he said mary you can be part of this story here's the way it's going to be yes or no and mary said yes He came to Joseph. He said, Joseph, you can be part of this story too. It's going to cost some sacrifice, but you can be part of it. Yes or no? Joseph said yes. He came to King Herod and said, You can actually bow down to the real king, the king of the universe. Yes or no? Herod said no. And that's the way it goes. Some people say yes, and some people say no. But you're always led to a decision with Jesus. Everywhere he went, He came to the shepherds. He came to the wise men. He came to the disciples. Through his entire life, everywhere he went, he brought people to make this life-changing, life-or-death decision. Even when he died, he died on the cross between two thieves, remember? And the one on the one side said, I say no to you. I don't want you. The answer is no. Get out of here. And the one on the other side said the answer is yes. And Jesus said to the yes answer, today you'll be with me in paradise. He always brings people to decision. And listen to me, family. This is where it gets personal for you and I. That's the most important thing for Christmas right now. We say this every year. It's not the candies and the cookies and all that stuff. That's good stuff. But it's right here in this room today that's the important part of Christmas. It's the yes or no that you're going to give Jesus. Because I'm telling you, in a room this big where the Holy Spirit's moving around, and he is, some of you have felt him already. There's a yes or no in somebody today. And we're going to take communion here in a few minutes. And I'm inviting you to make this concrete this morning, to get out a piece of paper and a pen and write your yes or no down and bring it with you. At least do it in your heart. But you say yes or no to the king of the universe today. I don't know what your yes will look like. It might be, you know what, Lord? uh, I've been kind of spiritually in a spiritually searching mode my whole life. I don't know much about you, and I don't know much about the church. Fact is, I came this morning because it's Christmas, and the family asked me to. Good for you and we're glad you're here. And maybe your yes this morning is, Lord, I'm going to take you off the back burner. I'm going to look into this. I'm going to start searching about my soul and what really is uh, true spiritually. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Lord. Uh, Up to this point, I've been most uh, attentive about my family and about my job and about my money and my career, but not now. This morning, I'm going to say yes to you. I'm going to start looking into this to see if this is real. If that's you this morning, I'm praying it is, please call me. I'll help you. I'll show you the facts. They're undisputable, indisputable. I speak for a living. Maybe your yes this morning is, you know what? I'm ready to commit. I mean, I've been coming to church for years. I've been coming to this church for years, and uh, I know this is right. I know this is real. But for some reason, I've just not pulled the trigger, but I'm going to this morning. The answer to you this morning is yes. Family, the baptistry is clean. It's warming up. We got towels. We got waders. We got a blow dryer. Let's do it. Maybe some of you this morning, the answer to God is yes. He's tugging you to get a little deeper to do something else. We're going to make disciples. who make disciples at a new building over here. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know why he slowed things down. I got my ideas, but I do know he gave us 83 acres. Do you know the red tape of this county, the property is still not ours yet? Gave it to us a year ago. So we're still working through that. In the meantime, my sister and Jake have set up all of these teams so that when we make disciples, they've got something to do. And maybe God has been moving you to be a part of that, to get involved in a team, maybe even lead a team. And you've got an opportunity to come up here this morning and say, I hear you, Lord. And the answer is yes. Don't let it be no. You know, a neat thing about... uh, Christmas is we get to give stuff. We we like we got the heart of God. God loves to give, and that's why we like to give. It's, it's in our spiritual DNA. But you know, sometimes you give a, a present to somebody that was very costly, and you want them to know it was costly, so you leave the price tag on the thing, and then when they open it, you say, oh my goodness, I forgot to see the price tag. You let them see it first, and then you grab it. And don't look at me like you've not done that, because you all have. I know you have. But several years ago, I bought Angie a amethyst ring for Christmas, and I spent $200 for it. It might as well have been $200,000. I charged it pennies. We shouldn't have done it, but I am, you know, nuts about her. She put something in my drink a long time ago, but (laughs) anyway, so I got this ring for her, and I brought it home, and they put it in a little ornament. I hung it on a tree, and I couldn't wait to give it to her, but I couldn't, there's no way to keep the price tag on a ring like that, so I took it off, and after she opened the thing up and cried over it a little bit and we had a good time, here's what I said and said. I said, well, baby, maybe we ought to think about getting some insurance on ring, <laughs> Because we want people to know we gave a great gift. And we're going to figure out a way for him to, to figure that out, right? Isn't it funny God didn't do that? He gave his only son, and there's no indication at all how valuable this gift was. He came silently. He came humbly in a barn. Very few people even knew it. Ron Davis says this, the most delightful gifts sometimes are wrapped in the simplest packages, like swaddling clothes. Ken Geyer in his book, Intimate Moments with the Savior, says, deity nursing from a young maiden's breast. Could anything be more puzzling or more profound than that? The divine word reduced to a few unintelligible sounds. And then for the first time, his eyes fixed on his mother's deity straining to focus the light of the world squinting tears pool in her eyes she touches his tiny hand and the hands that once sculpted mountain ranges cling to her finger wow I love the song Mary did you know that baby boy is lord of all creation did you know when you touch the face of your baby you touch the face of God (laughs) They had no idea how valuable that gift was. Ken Geers continues, and so with barely a ripple of notice, God stepped into the warm lake of humanity without pro- protocol or without pretension. Where you would have expected angels, there were only flies. Where you would have expected heads of state, only donkeys. Yes, there were angels announcing the Savior's arrival, but only to a band of blue-collar shepherds. And yes, a magnificent star shone in the sky to mark his birthplace, but only three foreigners bothered to even look up and follow it. Thus, in the little town of Bethlehem, that one silent night, the royal birth of God's Son tiptoed quietly by as the world slept. (sighs) They missed it. Wonderful, amazing gift, and they missed it. We're not going to do that today. We're coming to this table this morning and recognizing the broken body and the shed blood of this baby Jesus who grew and lived a perfect life and died on the cross for us. And we're coming this morning to remember that and to say yes or no. And again, in a room this size, the spirit moving like he's moving, there's some yes or no that's going to be answered today. And it might be something as simple as, I'm going to accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Please don't put that off. I mean, you might have 50 more Sundays, but this might be your last. And I'm telling you, the first time he came, he came quietly, he came humbly, he came to serve. When he comes back, it's not going to be that way. When he comes back, every eye will see him. When he comes back, every knee will bow to him. When he comes back, we're all going to worship him the way it should be. You want to be ready for that. Maybe your yes this morning is, yeah, I'm going to serve. The church needs me, I'm stepping it up. Maybe it's yes to a job, no to a relationship. I don't know. I just know this. I preach the best I can preach, I can, but I can't do anything to change your life. Nothing. It's just a sermon. And they've sang already. The joy of the world just gave me the chills, and they're going to sing some more, but their music's not going to change your life. I might give you a lilies for a few minutes. But the Holy Spirit is in the room right now. And the gift that He gave us through Jesus Christ is here at the altar. He can change everything. So yes or no? Come spend some time with Him. Answer His question.